Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher, and boy, it's been quite a week. And uh, before we dive into world events, I actually would like to start out with a couple of shout outs, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say hi to uh, Tej and Mary from the Melrose Placecast. Um, I had been meaning to check out the podcast, but... Um, when I first heard of them, they had only released a trailer, and it took a while before they released an episode, and I had just kind of forgotten. But Tej reached out to me on Twitter using a very funny um, Keith Gray fan account, <laughs> and um, he asked if we could be on their 25th episode because they always have um, expert guests every five episodes. And we, of course, said, absolutely, we will do that. Um, and since then, I've listened to almost all their episodes. I think I've listened to the first eight, and they are hilarious. I really like the Place Placecast. I just think it's hilarious to think of us as experts. <laughs> well, especially because, you know, a, a, a true Melrose Place <laughs> expert has actually seen all of the episodes, and we have only seen halfway through season two. That's true. Um, but on the other hand, I think that nobody takes the time to really talk out the episodes the way we do. Um, that's one of the fun things about Melrose Place cast is they kind of talk about highlights and points that they're trying to make, but it's not like a full guide about the episode. Um, but my favorite thing that they do is they um, have uh, sponsors on there <laughs> and they make up really funny commercials for their sponsor partners so um christopher you're not supposed to be trying to get everyone <laughs> to listen to somebody else's podcast that's true these are our competitors see i don't like to think of it that way i like to think of <laughs> us and them competing against the melrose place podcast <laughs> just kidding i i i i've only listened to one episode of the melrose place podcast and i need to listen to more um, but they have been around a lot longer, and they obviously put a lot more work into it than I ever would. Their their but Instagram is that, amazing. That does remind me of that uh, that review that we got, where that person was like, "I already listened to two Melrose Place podcasts. I don't know that I need a third Melrose Place podcast." Well, so and what's weird is at the time, I don't know which is the third that they're talking about or the second that they're talking about because there's the Melrose Place podcast. And then there's us, and then there's Melrose Place Cast, which is funny when you try to look that up because you have to say Melrose Place Cast podcast, or else you just get the cast of Melrose Place. But I don't know of another one. Um, at the time that they wrote that review, there would need to be another besides us three. So, and I, I've tried; I can't find a fourth one. So it's an internet mystery. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Um, Maybe it was actually somebody from the Melrose Place cast, like pre, like before they oh, released it. Oh wow, under a pseudonym. I mean, oh. look, I don't, I don't want to, I don't mm. want to cause unnecessary drama. Mm. But I mean, well, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I as a theory of the crime. Okay, well, in uh, um, in like 15 weeks when we go on the Melrose Place cast, uh, we can confront Tej and Mary about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a confrontation. Yeah really spice it up it'll be just like most yeah i i love it and then uh one other quick shout out which is what i should have done sooner um my friend from tumblr and instagram michelle um he makes uh gifts once in a while when he's watching the show 
And he sent me one this week of uh, right after Matt puts Nikki on the plane to send her back to Russia and his bangs are like blowing in the wind. And he was like, why is there wind inside LAX? Is is there really that much coming off of the breezeway or did they just put a fan for a dramatic effect? So, <laughs> and he also made one of um, Michael dropping fruit everywhere in the kitchen in his wheelchair. But the, the Matt one with his bangs was really funny. So Yeah, it looked very uh, supermodel. Yeah, which, you know, maybe that's what Matt should do for a living because he's unethical over at the hospital. <laughs> changing michael's thing and you know pulling strings for him whatever anyway (laughs) um so who are you who we never said our names oh i'm nan i did say i'm christopher didn't i i don't know i don't know i said your name when i anyway yeah whatever Uh, so uh that's nan (laughs) and i'm christopher (laughs) and uh we bring you a twice monthly look at three episodes at a time of Melrose Place, which we did not watch before the pandemic started. Uh, neither of us when it during its original run ever sat down to watch it. Um, we were too cool in the 90s yeah. to watch Melrose Place, but we are not too cool yeah. in 2021 to watch Melrose Place. And, so. and I think we all have a lot more time to watch TV now, too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, um, since, just since the last time we talked, I've watched uh, two and a half of the three seasons of Hannibal, and it's amazing. Um, in fact, oh yeah, my spouse watched that show, but he got into it without me, and I just never got around to mm. it. But I hear, I've heard, it's very good. It's totally good. I couldn't sleep last night. I watched three of them between midnight and two a.m. <laughs> I have started watching. Like I am such a freaking grandma loser i've started watching um so i was watching uh miss marple and i've watched most of them but i started watching so of course hulu suggested something called murdoch mysteries it's literally (laughs) like it's a edwardian uh cozy mystery set in toronto canada so it's like oh fun you know the anne of green gables of of cozy mysteries um anyway so that's what that's what i'm watching what's that other one that's like the the vicar or something or other oh um are you thinking of uh oh is it called grant grantsbury i don't know um with the really hot guy oh no this is like a, a monk type dude all brown robes and oh father ted mm, maybe or father brown <laughs> <laughs> there are just so many Father, of these shows. No wait, Father Ted is a British comedy. I'm just gonna. Father, I'm just gonna say the Father vicar, Brown, the Vicar of Father Dibley. Brown. Okay, so I was thinking the Vicar of Dibley, and I was like, well, that's not even remotely a dude or a mystery. <laughs> no, okay. What's the mystery one then? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's Father Brown. I promise you. It's okay. If you're watching shows like that, I would also recommend In the Heat of the Sun and Touching Evil because they both star a really hot dude whose name escapes me. Um, By the way, I love Vicar of Dibley. It's just not even remotely. It's not a mystery show. About- not even close. There's not, and the Vicar is a woman. It's John French. <laughs> so I'm wrong on many, many <laughs> levels. And I can admit that. That's one of the things I like about myself is that I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> 
Um, I guess we should also announce for um, people who want the context of this episode. Uh, this week, the president of the United States encouraged his followers to overthrow the government. Um, and they went to the Capitol with intent to kill the vice president and take hostages and all kinds of stuff. Um, and so far, the only repercussions Trump has faced is that they finally took away his Twitter account. <laughs> um, and at first, they only took it away for 24 hours. Yeah. And then he acted up again, and then they permanently suspended it. Yeah, which is great. But he still has access to the POTUS account. No, they, they took it away. because <laughs> he, started, he started complaining from it, and they took it away, and then they, they he started tweeting from team trump and they took it away uh his director of comms let him take over his twitter and they took it away (laughs) it's like it's like sedition whack-a-mole over at twitter hq oh my god can you imagine that your job is just to keep an eye on twitter to figure out where donald trump is tweeting from next well and the funny thing is when you're the president of the united states you actually have like a tv studio and a, a platform that most presidents have used rather than just farting out shit on twitter all day but um you know we'll see what happens twitter twitter is bad that's what i keep saying yeah (laughs) what i was gonna say now you and the president have one thing in common which is neither of you are on twitter (laughs) uh i excuse me but i was not Banned from Twitter. I just want to go on the record and say that I have never tried to incite violence from my Twitter. Yeah, and we found out from uh, Tej at Melrose Placecast that somebody else has your old Twitter handle. So, <laughs> R.I.P. End of an era. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I realized that it had, because I had managed, I had tried to keep it from being permanently deleted. Um, but I forgot to log in, so it got permanently deleted. And right after I realized that, I was like, I should go and create it and then just to hang on to the handle. But, well, who cares? Yeah. I mean, God God bless the person who has an anarchist now. Yeah. I told them, I'm like, hey, sorry, that's my podcast co-host. Podcast co-host. That's a tongue twister. Old Twitter handle. That's why this guy who's uh, got a Keith Gray avatar is talking to you. <laughs> um although there was somebody else who already called themselves an anarchist they just didn't have my handle Mm. on twitter and there was a confusion that happened a few times over that as well oh like their their screen you know how like you have a name and then you have your at their name was Uh, okay um that reminds me of another cool thing um so i (sighs) do you ever have like lottery fantasies where like the things that you would do with the money if you had it, but things that you won't like try to work toward if you don't have the money. Like um, mine is that I would open an eighties theme bar, um, which, you know, one could certainly do, but that's a lot of work for somebody who isn't just rich. Right. So I'm not going to do it, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I've always like the bar and restaurant business is really rough and if you don't have a bunch of capital you're probably just going to be either extremely uncomfortable constantly or fail or both uh well so i've had the concept and the name for mine for a long time but i didn't buy the domain name um and then a hotel bar had it for a while and then they let it expire and then somebody was trying to sell the domain name for like thirteen hundred dollars and I'm like, whatever. But two days ago, on a whim, I just decided to check um, 
I think it was because I was thinking about your, your Twitter handle <laughs> and it was available and now we have it for the next five years at least. Um, I'm not going to announce what it is because the other part of the story is that somebody has that handle on Instagram and it was for a strip club in um, the Bronx and they haven't posted since 2014 and I want to ask them if they'll just let me have it but then they'll probably ask for money and I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> That's the thing about those handles on social media is like they just never do expire. Yeah. So as long as the person doesn't delete the account, I mean, there's really just like it just exists. It's possible you might not even be able to get hold of yeah. them. Yeah. It's possible they never even look at that account anymore. Yeah, you know? it sucks. So when the time comes, if we do somehow win millions of dollars and I can pay someone to make my concept come to life, um, I will probably just have to get an Instagram handle where it's like such and such Everett. You know what I mean? But whatever. <laughs> um, I, but let us be clear. Melrose sheltering in place condemns the violence at the Capitol. Yes. The white supremacist violence. We should be very explicit you, about that. Nazis, white supremacists. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, also ACAB, the cops. It was a fix. I'm convinced. Oh, totally. Um, um, a lot of them were part of the riot and flashing their badges to other ones who let them in. And, you know, you can see plainly in footage where, you know, there are some parts where there are barriers being breached where the cops are actually fighting them, but there's others where they just walk right by and it's, you know, right. Exactly. It was sort of like <clears throat> the cops that wanted to uh, let it happen. And then also I think that at the top, they knew that it was going to happen yeah. and, let their cops be completely ill-prepared so there were definitely cops that i think were not in on it like individual cops because there's that video of the black oh, cop yeah. with the people following him up the stairs but like they just weren't at all like prepared for it to happen either but that was on purpose yeah the one of the best things about this is that all of those people are the ones who refuse to wear masks to slow the spread of covid19 and because of it it's so easy to find them <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to find them but also they're like it's like that one lady that walked up to the camera who'd been pepper sprayed or whatever and she was the, the guy the guy with the camera was like what's your name where are you from and she was like i'm elizabeth from knoxville and it's just like this is like protest security 101 yeah. even if you haven't broken any laws you should wear a mask because they will try to say you broke a law i mean that's for the leftists yeah. right like we're gonna get accused of breaking a law even if we didn't um, but you know, it's just like, uh, c uh, come on, you guys. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, they're so busy trying to prove a point about not wearing a mask because freedom. And then live streaming themselves inside committing crimes. It's like, wow, mental giants here. Hope, hope it was worth well, it. Well, and I think some of that too, though, is just the the audacity, like literally, just the sense that they probably won't get in trouble, which people have been arrested. Um, but I think that that also just shows that they have a sense that they are untouchable. It's that privilege. Yeah, thing, totally. Right? It's the it's the supremacy. It's where the supremacy comes yeah, in. Yeah. If if anybody um, hasn't seen that clip of Joanne Reed talking about that, it's really great. Um, and it's only a couple minutes, so worth finding. So fuck those people. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Donald Trump. Um, so 
if it wasn't abundantly clear by this many episodes in that that's how we felt, um, you're obviously not paying attention or we're not being ourselves enough, but I think we have. <laughs> I mean, I honestly couldn't blame somebody for not paying attention. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The other day somebody was like, I'm sorry. I haven't listened to your podcast yet. And I was like, Oh, I don't expect anybody to listen to my podcast. I'm just, I, I needed a reason to live in the pandemic and this is what I came up with. So oh, and I feel you know. bad because on Melrose Place cast they were the last one I listened to was episode eight and Teej specifically said, um, after we're done recording this, I'm gonna go listen to everybody else's. I I never listen to theirs until we do ours because I don't I wanna come in fresh. And that's the one that is our lost episode. <laughs> so I, so I'm listening and I'm like, Oh no, I'm sorry, you don't we, we talk about it for five minutes on episode nine, but <laughs> <laughs> we lost that one. That's the one about the stalker. Oh, yeah. Sad day. <laughs> um, cool. Well, should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Um, right. You'll see in the outline that I finally got smart and I put your name on it. <laughs> so we know. I do see yeah. that, yes. So... Uh, first up, we have episode 2.6. It's called The Reunion Blues. Um, sorry to jump in with a correction, but that's 2.16. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> I was like, no, we can't go back 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're actually making regressions. <clears throat> this is terrible. Um, Billy and Allison. Billy opens the episode with elaborate sweaty clap push-ups and soccer moves indoors. So if that is your thing... Go to episode 2.16 and, uh, you know, watch the opening scene did, for a little bit of Billy, did you, Billy erotic. Are you saying that because you um, liked it or? Um, I mean, Billy's not really my thing, but I know people think he's okay. hot. So, uh, and, and Allison walks in, he's working out. He's, uh, suspicious and watches as Allison heads up to Joe's, then visits Amanda still shirtless and sweaty to make sure she knows he's back with Allison. Uh, she says she won't say anything and that she'd forgotten one important fact. He's a kid. Um, and the whole time he was, it was like he watched until Allison was inside Joe's apartment. And then he went, he ran upstairs and was like talking to Amanda. And it was, he was clearly trying to sneak, but he was just standing outside her door. And any minute, Allison could have come out of Joe's apartment and seen him standing there. Yeah. This is one of those things where somebody on the set should have been like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. But nobody ever does that. I mean, ever, ever, <laughs> ever. This is like constant in Melrose Place. Um, Amanda calls Allison in for a meeting to let her know she's removed from the microcomp account due to her romantic relationship with Steve. And other inappropriate behavior. And this is obviously also, like, getting back at her mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever. Because she's got Billy back. Um, Billy comes home to find Allison eating pizza in bed, which she acknowledges looks bad. But it's at least it's not vodka. Because Allison was an alcoholic for approximately three episodes. <laughs> um, she can't figure out why Amanda's mad at her now. But we all know it's Billy's fault. And Billy knows it's his fault. Um, so that's fun. Um, Jane, Michael, and Sydney. Michael is grateful and happy and says he might have a breakthrough any day in physical therapy. He thinks she's only wearing the earrings he got her for Christmas 
but she also has on Robert's necklace, Jane. Um, Matt watches as Michael and his gray sweatpants <laughs> bold try to walk in physical therapy. Uh, the therapist's tough love gets Michael to head toward him, and even though he falls, he can feel something in his feet. Um, Michael goes to Shooter's for a beer, and Sydney wants to join him, and he basically tells her to fuck <laughs> off. She says he's a joke, and so is everyone else at Melrose Place, and she wants to move. <laughs> he orders, okay, I mean, sure. Uh, he orders a beer for Jake, who just arrived, and Sydney slams it on the table. Uh, Jake figures out that Michael and Sydney boned. Also, this is another one of those, like, they have another one of those weird Melrose Place moments where it's like, girls, am I right? <laughs> like, oh, girls can't, you know, it's like the weird battle of the sexes rhetoric that pops up in this show occasionally. Men are is, from Mars, uh, women are from Venus. <laughs> yeah. That was around that time too, women. right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's like women. Uh. <laughs> Um, they're so emotional. Oh, dramatic. Uh, as Robert goes down on Jane, uh, Michael and Jake drunkenly stumble in. They hear the lovemaking noises and Jake offers his couch to Michael, but he stays, listens, and pouts. I mean, what a creeper. He pretends to sleep as they have their morning smooches and say goodbye. Michael shows off his crutches and asks for a congratulatory kiss, which Jane denies him. I have identified the face and the sound that Jane makes when she's getting oral sex. She always, she kind of goes, and so, you know, hopefully we'll see other dudes go down on her to prove I'm right. But, um, you know, (laughs) Uh, a customer asks Sydney out and says Lauren told him about her. He says, uh, she says no and that he doesn't have enough money, but he assures her he has plenty. So she names her price $2,000 thinking that he'll say no. <laughs> and he's like, sure. So Sydney um, arrives at his room and confirms the price and asks what, uh, and, uh, does he ask for what he gets for his money? Yeah, he's like, so this is $2,000, right? What do I get for that? Oh, right. And she counts it and pulls him toward the bed. And he, she's basically just like, okay, let's get this over with. And then he um, arrests her. And uh, Michael bails Sydney out uh, and wants an explanation. And she comes clean and he calls her a whore. <laughs> Which she says will never happen again. Um, she asks him to swear to never tell anyone, especially Jane. And now he has leverage over her, of course, because we know Michael. And, like, this is, you know, like, all he's thinking is how he can use this to his advantage. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to trust Michael with a secret. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, Sydney does not have any uh, sense when it comes to that. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess also who else was she going to call? Like, well, she could have called Joe. Yeah. But I feel like she is, I feel like her mental state, she would feel too much like, even though Joe did technically offer her help, I think she wouldn't want to admit to Joe, like what was really going on. Right. Um, even though it's been a day or so, Michael's already at Sydney's apartment saying he has a way to pay. She, he has a way for her to pay him back for bailing her out. He wants to use one of Lauren's women to frame Robert and get him on tape cheating on Jane in San Diego. 
because he's going there on a work trip. This is my probably my favorite thing anybody's done on this show so far. Like we're finally getting into, you know, real blackmail. You know what I mean? It's this is a, a great progression for the show. I think. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely getting uh, upping the ante and getting into, I think, what we think is what we think of when we think of Melrose Place, even as people who've never watched it, is this kind of yeah, show, right? I'm excited. Um, so even I mean, ugh, but I hate my I hate Michael so much. <laughs> um, so the idea of him, even though I don't necessarily, even though she's better now, I still don't necessarily love Jane. So it's not like I'm like rooting for Jane, but I still hate it that Michael's you know, possibly going to ruin her life um, and be happy for a minute. Um, (laughs) Allison convinces Joe over breakfast to go to her high school reunion. Um, The woman working the desk when she gets there is cheesy, but nice. And Joe is super weird about asking about being there. Um, She puts her button on with her, she puts her button with her picture on it in her purse and is probably about to head out when she runs into Reed Carter, a Jake lookalike. Like, seriously, is he one of the guys that just didn't get the part for Jake? And they were like, hey, since Joe likes Jake, we should get that guy back that auditioned for Jake. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely a little bit scrawnier, I think, <laughs> than Jake doesn't quite have the ass but i can see it now that you mention it um i looked him up his the actor's name is james wilder and he continued i didn't uh look at the name but he's in the melrose place universe later on models inc and he has on four episodes of veronica's closet which is not available streaming and i wish it was Oh, man, I'm surprised it's not available. That show was really popular. That one and Suddenly Susan are the two that a lot of people would watch. And, like, you can I, – I know you can buy episodes of Suddenly Susan. I don't know about Veronica's Closet. But I'm not going to pay for either one. I might pay for one episode right. of Suddenly Susan. But <laughs> um, So Joe and Reed take off when the activities start. Turns out she stood him up on prom night. He confesses his love for her and goes in for a kiss and then invites her to his room for a nightcap and she offers breakfast the next day instead. Um, Reed says over breakfast that he doesn't have any stories because he just got out of the federal penitentiary. Two years for possession with intent to sell. He says he was innocent, but his fishing boat clients were smugglers. Joe can't extend her visit to hang out with him, but... Uh, longer but says that she can get that they can get together another time wearing a terrible pants skirt combo plus a sweater uh joe tells allison what happened to the reunion she does want to see him again but thinks he won't visit right away because he has to get his life together and joe comes to jake uh joe comes to jake's place about a bounce check because the feds have frozen his assets. He asks Joe about the letter she supposedly wrote. Um, oh, so uh, Amanda ha- is still trying to evict Jake and um, had come to Joe and asked Joe to write a letter saying that Jake was this terrible person, that he should be evicted, and Joe refused to do it, but Amanda told Jake that she did do mm-hmm. it. And... Um, you know, so Jake asks uh, Joe about it and says basically like, "I knew you. I knew she was probably lying or whatever." So Jake somehow thinks Joe wants to get back together, <laughs> and that makes Joe mad. Um, Reed scares the shit out of Joe in the courtyard. 
uh, when he just pops up out of nowhere and she has conflicting feelings, but we don't see what happens next. Um, <clears throat> Amanda slips an eviction notice under Jake's door. He says it's not legal and he won't be intimidated and she needs to open her eyes and see Palmer is guilty. Um, and then, uh, like I said, Amanda asks Joe to write a statement about Jake and then Joe stops by Jake's to let him know she never cashed her $15,000 check and he interrupts to reiterate that he won't use the money. She asks why he never got involved with Amanda. He says he loves a challenge and assures Joe why he ever got involved with Amanda. He says he loves a challenge and assures Joe that she's still that he's still her friend. Um, they have really nice moments together. I think so. They were a good couple in spite of his antics. But. Yeah, for sure. Like they let business uh, get in the way, but they are at least they make really good friends for sure. Um, Jake comes home to find his stuff in the courtyard and the locks changed. And Amanda says his rent check bounced and she'll call the police if need be. He kicks the door <laughs> down and Amanda says he's destructive and that Joe wrote a complaint about what he did at her place, <clears throat> which we know is a lie. And Amanda's just trying to like stir up the stuff again um amanda's faucet explodes and is leaking into a bill allison and billy's apartment and she comes running to jake for help and he says he'll help if she gives him the key to his apartment and she agrees because it's the weekend and the plumbers are apparently like bankers there <laughs> <laughs> he of course has to take off his shirt to contain the mess oh no um amanda has a plumber over to fix her valves Okay, that's kind of funny. Um, and he asks if the rest of the building should be brought up to code, but she says no, just her place. Oh my god. She's the worst. Fuck the landlord. Um, Palmer calls and they meet in a park. Um, his lawyers say his case doesn't look good, and he sa and she says the important thing is that he's innocent, and he actually tells her that he isn't and confesses to the whole thing. And he's kind of like, he's kind of acting like, well, I didn't hurt you. And it's like, okay, Amanda sucks. Amanda's weird because like Amanda sucks on one level. And then sometimes I think maybe she doesn't totally suck, but it's like, bro, she was dating somebody she really liked, who really liked her. And you totally just like destroyed that. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Palmer says uh, he can't go to jail so he's going to disappear i mean who who wants to go to jail that's what i always am like whenever people are like i can't go to jail it's like who can hmm. who who like hoops well i um, i don't know like rich guy jail i don't think it's going to be that bad and if you cooperate you could probably have a pretty short sentence and then be done with it. But if you flee, you like really screw yourself. So, you know, like Martha Stewart cooperated and, um, she had an okay time in jail. And the only thing that I'm mad about is that there wasn't a Martha Stewart in prison reality show, but, <laughs> um, he says he'll make up, make it up to her, but she says no, gets up and walks away. Amanda comes to Jake's to tell him Palmer confessed. She cries and they probably bone. <laughs> and that is the end of that episode. Hmm. Um, any thoughts about it before we move on to episode 17, Michael's Game? Um, 
Not really. I think this episode was pretty good. I think it was mostly setting us up for a bunch of other stuff that's going to happen. I mean, it's clearly setting us up for, is Reed a bad guy? Or is <laughs> Reed okay? And, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And Joe possibly being in love with a an actual criminal. Or is he, was he really framed? Like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then... And then the, the um, exciting blackmail... <laughs> the blackmail and then also Allison, Billy, Amanda cuz like now Amanda has this whole like her and Billy slept together thing that she's and then he got back together with Allison. So, yeah. you know, I think we definitely have a sense that she's going to do something dramatic to probably screw over. Yeah. Allison. She's got ammunition and, or leverage or whatever she wants. <laughs> right. Um, right on. Well, episode 17 is called Michael's Game. Uh, we start out with uh, Jane finding Michael in the kitchen in the morning cooking a full breakfast. And he tries to carry the plates over to the table, and I'm pretty sure he farted really loud. Did you catch that? I don't remember. I literally watched these episodes like three weeks that, ago. That's why I didn't message you, because I watched it a couple of weeks ago. And I thought for sure, like, I didn't want to, you know, spoiler, <laughs> but I swear, <laughs> I swear he lets out this huge fart and then he goes, sweetheart, I do need your help. <laughs> um, Are you sure it wasn't like a chair scooting or something? I don't know, I man. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm totally down to believe that Michael farted. Well, you know, it's, well, when I do the um, social media posts for this episode, that's where we're going to... Um, have the exhibit a or in this case exhibit f <laughs> um yeah so we'll find out but i swear it's if it wasn't a fart i am shocked um jane says quit farting no she says it's not appropriate for michael to call her sweetheart even though robert is out of town and she also suggests that it might be time for him to get his own place um, or just move back to the beach house, which is still sitting around. Um, Michael visits Sydney at Shooters to give Sydney half of the cash for his Robert extortion scheme. Um, and Sydney is going along with it, but she says that she doesn't think it'll work. Robert calls from his hotel room, wondering why Michael hasn't been kicked out of Jane's place yet while Michael eavesdrops. And uh, while Robert's eating dinner, a woman introduces herself in the hotel. She asks if she can sit with him as she's been alone in the hotel all week working on a computer proposal for a zoo feeding system. Her name is supposedly Diane Adams, and she orders wine. I love this phrase, a computer proposal. <laughs> like, not like... I love how early nineties it's like we, the way that they talk about computers, like today, like today, if I spent all day working on a grant, I would be doing it on a computer mm -hmm. and I would never say, Oh gosh, I spent all day working on my computer on the grant. I would just be like, I spent all day working on a grant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this, like, it's just interesting to think about i mean yeah at the time like computers were this new thing that people had um i mean they had existed before obviously but you know the the sort of ha people just having them and using them and 
email and all that was pretty new. So I, I think we're actually lucky that computers were a thing when we entered the workforce, because I think about my old jobs, like, you know, I used my, my first industry job out of college was in recruitment advertising. And, you know, we used Excel to build a media database and we had to make tons of phone calls and, you know, save a bunch of files and fax them everywhere and all that stuff. And I just imagine if we all had to have our own Rolodexes where we wrote down rates on little pieces of paper <laughs> and had to use a calculator to do estimates. And it all just sounds like a complete nightmare. Well, and the thing, like, I remember my dad started practicing law in the early, like, 80s. I think he would have graduated law school in, like, 1976, I think. Um, and uh, he... Um, he did corporate law. So it was all contracts. And he said that they used to, he'd finish, like he would actually have a whole paper contract and it would be like thick, like, I don't know, hundreds of pages. And he would have to like put it in an envelope and FedEx it to the other party. <laughs> um, and I remember being on a vacation when I was probably 12 and he had to do some work and we were staying in these cabins and he, he had to stand in a phone booth with a whole printed out stack of papers basically sitting on top of the payphone and have a conversation with a client and then shift through the papers to find the places in the contract <sighs> to talk about. And like, and that was when people had, like we had a desktop at home, but people didn't have laptops, mm. you know, like everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's also like kind of fucked up because you would think that because we can do all those things so much faster now that we would just have way more free time mm -hmm. and that's not what has happened. Yeah. What, what... And that's what's upsetting is that like, <laughs> I think it has created a really, I almost kind of think it might be better <laughs> to have like whole ass printed out paper contracts and be mailing them back and forth. Cause once you put that contract in the mail on FedEx, it's like, Oh, well I can't do anything else right now. I guess I'll go, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll go to lunch or I'll go, you know, to whatever. Um, whereas now it's like, Oh, you could literally constantly be working because it's yeah. available to you really easily. Yeah. This is why, um, it's actually completely outrageous that, um, salaries have not gone way up because workers are more efficient and all that's really meant is that corporate profits, uh, for, you know, shareholders and stuff are through the roof and people are working themselves to death. Um, and you know, we should probably by this point be working like 20 hours a week instead of 40. Um, Oh, by far, you know, um, which is, and I also want to acknowledge that that's very, that's true for workers like you and me, but not true for workers like servers and mm -hmm. retail workers. Um, so there's also some, some stuff that could be done to kind of like address possibly those huge imbalances in what work looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I've heard, I was listening to a podcast a while back where some electricians, they're like union electricians and they were talking about how like, you know, there's this like classist concept of like blue collar and white collar workers and there's like an internalized assumption that white collar is better mm. but they were talking about how like they all feel like their jobs are way better than their quote white collar friends because they have um they have limits to their time mm -hmm. how long they can work and they have like 
you know, all these things, whereas all the white collar people they know are like working kind of nonstop for ridiculously low salaries and have almost no leverage to change the situation. So, yeah. And, you know, um, something I recently learned, you know how we make fun of how British shows have like way fewer episodes. Um, Somebody pointed out like, well, it's because they're not allowed to work people to death in the UK. So they, they turn out shorter seasons and fewer episodes. Like that's just how it is, you know, and Melrose place is a great example. There's over 30 episodes, hour long episodes in a season. So clearly people are um, on set way longer than they should be. And as we see, that doesn't exactly make the quality any better, but I mean, that's probably why we should probably stop talking shit about all the quality control that doesn't happen on this <laughs> Because show. they're all worked to death. <laughs> I'm sorry, casting crew of Melrose Place. Uh, we know you were trying. <laughs> this is an official apolo- uh, apology from the Melrose Sheltering in Place podcast. Um, we're still going to make fun of it, though. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. It's kind of hilarious when this stuff happens. Yeah. But you're not bad people. <clears throat> yeah. We just want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um... Fox was greedy and they worked you to death. Uh, so uh, that woman who introduced herself to Robert was played by Famke Jansen, who, um, you know, if you're not familiar with her, you would recognize her for sure. She's in stuff like X-Men movies. And um, she had a very controversial role on Six Feet Under because you learned at the end that she was trans and that was really bad representation um you know she's she's in stuff um and she's good it was nice to see her here um it was kind of like with gina gershon i was like what's she doing here (laughs) um so over at dinner uh they've killed two bottles of wine and um diane says that she'll pay for dinner as long as robert makes sure that she gets to her room okay and she says she wants a nightcap and she starts kissing him and she pulls him into the room And then she manages to talk him into staying for a bone. And that's when we see that there's a video camera off in the corner catching all the action, which is hilarious because she would have had to start it before she even left the room. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Also, I just want to say that, like, this kind of this kind of storyline always kind of bothers me because I just I don't buy it that Robert would be that easily pressured into having sex with another woman. Like, I think that there's this underlying assumption and it was very probably, it was probably very common culturally at the time. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It might even be common still, but I just don't hang out with people who think this way. But like, there's this cultural consumption conception, kind of like how Mike Pence is like, I'm never alone in a room with a woman that's not my wife. It's like, this idea that it's it's like literally every man, no matter what, can't control uh, his like desire for sex, mm-hmm. and um, and that every man is probably cheating when he's on a business trip, right. like that kind of thing. And I just don't. It's not that I don't think men are dirtbags because obviously they fucking are, but like <laughs> I just this particular thing, like Robert is just too. He's shown too much care to Jane for me to buy that it was this easy. Well, they've been trying to set up the thing about him being really mad about Michael living with her. Um, but I, I, I agree. I don't think he would have been pushed that far. But 
we need it for the show. <laughs> I mean, I get it. This is what's happening. Yeah. I just this is where my <clears throat> suspension of disbelief gets kind of broken a little bit because I just I'm like, eh, this is just a thing that's happening in the show because we need things to happen. Yeah. I don't really buy that this is what would happen. Yeah, maybe if they would have had like a a big knockout drag down fight between him and Jane. Yes. That's what this needed, is they should have had, instead of it being like, oh, has Michael moved out yet? No, bummer. That's not good. I don't like that. It should have been like, fuck you, fuck you too kind of level fight. Like, he should have given her an ultimatum and then been like, you know what? She'll never know about this. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Michael goes to Sydney's apartment to watch the sex tape. And I love it because we get to see what date it is. The the sex tape was dated January 12th, 1994. So uh, we know when it happened. Uh, Oh, my God. That's this week. We should have, like, a party or something. Oh, totally. Um, A a listening party. (laughs) Yay. 112. And, And that'll be math uh 27 I'll years i'll make sure to post this episode on that day. there you go because we know i never get around to it until a few days after we record anyway yeah. so. so now you have a goal it'll be um it'll be sex tape day <laughs> <laughs> the the original sex tape because this would have been before um paris hilton and um that i mean oh yeah. it's it's not before rob lowe obviously but you know uh michael i uh, sorry robert is an early pioneer before sex tapes were the cool thing to have um so uh jane comes home and she finds the tape in an envelope at the door and she puts it in the vcr but that's when robert knocks um and michael's not there at the time and robert says that he wants michael out the next day and i made a note because this was the first time i ever noticed that all the tiles are sorry that all the fireplaces in melrose place are tiled over um and after that i started noticing it in all the other apartments and i just think it's funny because um these are all sets so they had to build a set that has had work done to it over the years even though it's not real because you know old fireplaces are not energy efficient so they'll tile them over and then they're just decorative um (laughs) and so somebody was like well we have to make a fireplace but it has to be tiled over damn it (laughs) (laughs) um so michael is up at sydney's watching and wondering why nothing has happened down at jane's place and it's because robert and jane went straight to bed um they're all thirsty from fucking and she gets up to go get a glass of water and she's curious about the tape. So she puts it on and sees Robert on it and storms in and tells him to leave and shows him what's on the tape. And he tries to pretend that it's old, but she goes, Nope, look, it was recorded on January 12th, (laughs) 1994. And today is January 13th. Um, he says that he loves her and she slaps him and kicks him out and he refuses to let him take the tape. Um, Michael watches as she throws his clothes out the front door and he emerges from her apartment in just his boxers. 
Um, the next morning, Jane wants to know where Michael was the night before, and he says that he was giving her and Robert some space. And he actually manages to convince Jane that he was not responsible for that tape. The story that he makes up is that it must have been some other disgruntled ex-husband. Um, and he also tells her that she's actually being too hard on Robert and that it's proof that anyone can slip up. So he's actually turned this into a way to make himself look good in Jane's eyes, which is um, kind of next level, even for him. Uh, Robert shows up at Michael's physical therapy session to confront him and his gray sweatpants bulge. Um, he says that in spite of the tape, Jane can see the difference between the two of them. And Michael says that the difference is that he cheats with doctors and Robert cheats with whores. What a fucking douchebag. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the doctors who cheat with you get killed, supposedly. Um, oh my god i hate this so much. <laughs> well he's gonna lay it on even more thick because he has a little candle table set up for jane and uh he says that it was worth having a brush with death to make him realize what he had lost with jane and jane falls for it and sydney's outside and she sees them hugging through the blinds um because nobody ever uses blinds for their intended purpose and closes them. Um, over in Joe's world, uh, Reed has been crashing on her couch while he looks for a place in LA. He was looking for a fresh start and seeing Joe at the reunion inspired him. Uh, he makes a little uh, sex move, but Joe says that they're friends first and foremost. Uh, so, uh, Joe comes home with groceries, um, you know, the total TV and movies thing where it's a paper bag with groceries spilling out the top. Um, this is before they invented paper bags with handles. So everything was always awkward. Um, she finds Reed with her gun who, um, jokingly holds her up with it. Uh, he says that he found it while looking for cleaning supplies, but she calls it snooping. And either way, it wasn't locked up, and that means that Joe is an irresponsible gun owner, but we all already knew that. Just like Jake, Reed hates the gun and says she won't need it anyway now that he's around. And she tries to reiterate that they're just friends, but they go ahead and kiss anyway. Uh, Reed calls Joe, in, and she's in her dark room that we've never actually seen dark um and he says that he's having a crappy day and he wants to meet at the marina for dinner so uh she comes down there and he pretends that he wants to sneak onto a boat but then he reveals that he's its new captain and he has a candle table set up inside um the candle budget on melrose place i swear unless they just use the same candles every time somebody sets up a romantic table um speaking of which am i bad as a husband because i've never set up like a little candle table like that i mean i feel like uh, if it was bad your spouse would have told you yeah like you never set up a candle table for me i mean it's like all of those things are the kind of thing where it's, 
it, everyone's got different feelings about that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's whatever your spouse yeah. likes. Um, I'll have to ask him, what, what do you, <laughs> what do you feel? You should just set one up and see I'd what be like, eh, eh, what do you, what do you think of this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, she is suitably impressed by the candle table, but she's still annoyed. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next morning in bed, which means that they boned, um, she says that this is not what she had in mind when she said they should take it slow. But he notes that they've already waited 10 years. Uh, and it was his time in prison that made him realize that he needs to experience... <clears throat> Excuse me, I have to mute for one second. Goodness, thank you. Uh, it was his time in prison that made him realize that he needs to experience life. And she can love him or she can hate him uh, or she could even tell him to leave, but he can't wait. And so they bone again. I guess the waiting is definitely over. Uh, so the FBI tells Amanda that if she knows where Palmer is and doesn't tell them that she can be arrested for aiding and abetting. Uh, she kicks them out of her office there at D&D &D, and she refuses to talk without a lawyer present. Which is good. <clears throat> Never talk to the cops without a lawyer present. Right. I don't care if you are innocent. Never talk to the cops without a lawyer present. Ever, ever, ever. Again, reiterating. Because people... I, I watch a lot of true crime, and sometimes when somebody refuses to talk without their lawyer, everybody's like, that means they're guilty. No. Don't let that fool you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Always have a lawyer. Always. Anyway, yeah. That's your little um, PSA. Authorities are very good at intimidating people into confessing things that they haven't even done and that wouldn't happen if you had a lawyer present so exactly um you know don't even if you live streamed yourself trying to overthrow the government you should still ask for a lawyer <laughs> okay i don't want those people asking for a lawyer because i want them all to go away for a very long time but um, well but see anyway, their their, their case might get thrown out on a technicality if they don't have a lawyer so they do still need a lawyer unfortunately i mean Everybody ask for a lawyer yeah. <laughs> before you talk to cops. Even if your case is really bad because you sat in Nancy Pelosi's office and broadcasted on the internet and stole shit from it. Anyway, um, Amanda's next meeting is with Allison and a guy named Bruce who is a higher up at D&D. &D. And I think this is the first time we've seen him, but I'm not positive. Um, he puts... Allison back on the microcomp account and he tells Amanda to take some personal days due to the Palmer situation. <laughs> back at Melrose place, Allison tells Billy that she's going to jump on the opportunity while Allison is gone to pitch some ideas that she knows Amanda would have never allowed. Um, Amanda lets herself into Jake's apartment uh, like a bad landlord would and throws herself at him, and she wants him to come to Hawaii with her for five days. Um, so Allison gets permission from Bruce, the the boss boss, to pitch some ideas to a client named Mountain Togs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
she and Bruce are actually afraid that Mountain Togs are thinking about leaving the agency. Uh, Amanda calls D&D from the plane, uh, which was funny because I don't think that phone had a cord on it, and every plane phone I've ever seen had a cord. Um, but, you know, the, the set just didn't have that, so they grabbed a, a cordless phone from the production office or something. Um, the guy who answers the phone mentions the Mountain Togs meeting, and Amanda is livid and demands to speak with Allison, but she's unavailable because she's with Bruce. So Allison decides that as soon as they get to Hawaii, they're turning right back around and going back to LA because she believes Allison is gunning for her job. If I was Jake, I'd be pissed. If I was Jake, I would stay in Hawaii and let uh, and yes. let her go back by her damn self. <laughs> um, so Allison pitches this concept that Mountain Talks. <laughs> I can't get over the name of these shoes. It's so great. It's so 90s, right? Yeah. Like, that feels very 90s, kind of. Well, and I guess it's short for, like, mountaintop clogs. It's, it's a, part, a portmanteau of that. I don't know. But I love it. Um, that they the, the pitch is that they're great for everyone to wear, not just for mountain climbers. You don't have to be a mountain climber to wear mountain togs. Uh, and the mountain togs clients are a Blythe Danner lookalike and a surprisingly hot ponytail wearing daddy <laughs> um they are actually thrilled uh with this and they thank allison for being the first person at D who's ever listened to them amanda just kind of shows up or no well that's true too as far as their account's concerned amanda just kind of shows up but the reason i said that is because amanda actually shows up right then <laughs> Uh, she tells Allison that she's poaching her client and that poachers get shot. Uh, Bruce tells Amanda that he'll do whatever he sees fit on the accounts and that Allison will be handling it going forward. Ooh, yeah. Allison comes to Amanda's office for the mountain togs file, but she won't give that file to her. And she says to talk to her assistant, uh, Amanda says that the whole thing wasn't sportsmanlike, and Allison says that she's tired of playing by the rules. And Amanda warns that she can play dirty too. Uh, Amanda asks Billy to meet her at Shooters to complain about Allison, and um, he actually asks her to get asks him to get her to back off. And she says if Allison keeps it up, she won't be interested in protecting her feelings anymore. And she just might have to tell Allison about the recent romp that she had with Billy. <laughs> and he just gets up and puts some money down for his drink and says, see ya. <laughs> like, I guess he's trying not to act scared about the fact that he's being lightly blackmailed now. But it's just poor handling of the situation. <laughs> Right. Um, so Allison comes to Amanda's office and says that she wants to give Mountain Togs back to Amanda, um, which is dumb because their boss told her to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. And this whole thing where she's like, I don't, I don't want to be a bad person. I want to play fair mm. or whatever. I don't know. I feel like Allison is not going to make it far in, in this situation yeah, with that attitude. For sure. But it's just so funny because they would both get in trouble 
because Allison's supposed to be doing it and Amanda is not. <laughs> um, so uh, Allison says it just wasn't her style to do what she did. And Amanda says that she felt vulnerable and she didn't have a friend. Um, so they kiss and make up and Amanda says Allison should keep the account. And you almost expect Bruce to pop in and be like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> They kiss and make up, but Amanda still says something kind of weirdly ominous, I feel like, right at the end of this exchange. I can't remember what it uh, was, but it felt like it was still kind of like, but also, yeah, what, <laughs> watch your back. What she says is, you better not blow it, though, because I'm not going to be there to catch you. So, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, she's like, she's like, you win this time, but it's going to be on your own if you fail or succeed, basically. Um, <laughs> and then back home, Billy almost blows it with Allison because he thinks that, um, Allison knows that, um, he and Amanda boned by what she's saying. But then, um, thankfully she talks enough and he doesn't interrupt and Allison manages to say enough just in time for him to realize that that's not what she was talking about. Yeah, so that's episode 17, Michael's Game. (sighs) All right, so here we are at episode 18, Arousing Suspicions. Um, (laughs) Jane, Michael, and Sydney. So Michael's suited up to head to work and uh, wants to take the bus to prove his independence. That night, he makes Jane veal piccata and thinks and thanks Jane for saving his life and being his inspiration. Jane says she's forgiving him a little at a time, and they. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> See now, um, now I'm starting to hate Jane more again because this is stupid. I know. I'm like, girl, come on! <laughs> like, you were so there. Yeah. Anyway. Sydney shows up at the hospital to tell Michael that he needs to be at her court date to support her. When he says no, she threatens to tell Jane everything, and he counter-threatens that he'll report her to the cops for <laughs> But the cops already know. No, no, this is about the, the, oh, the extortion the scheme. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, Michael. Sydney comes to Jane's to warn her about Michael and come clean about her sex work. I actually, this was one moment where I actually really liked Sydney, mm. um, because Michael was like, Basically, Michael also kind of was like, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to tell Jane, you know, like, I'm going to tell everybody yeah. what you've been up to. And so Sydney just says, fuck it, and takes all the power away by telling on herself. Yeah. Um, and it was a really great move. Um, she also admits to Michael blackmailing her to arrange the Robert shakedown. Surprisingly, Jane understands and apologizes, apologizes for not taking better care of Sydney. Um, Michael gets home from an overnight shift just as Jane and Sydney say goodbye after staying up all night talking. Jane greets Michael at the door with his suitcase and slaps him <laughs> across the face when he calls Sydney a two-bit slut. She tosses his cane in the pool and closes the door. <laughs> Call that pool yes. guy that we keep seeing cleaning the pool. He'll help. <laughs> <laughs> Michael goes to the beach house and finds professional photos of himself and Kimberly and, cry- and cries and pops a pill. Oh, my God. This guy. <laughs> Jane does fashion design at the coffee table so she can ruin her back and wrists when Sydney arrives with popcorn and the parent trap. Michael calls in a stupor wanting to tell his side of the story. 
With Sydney listening on the extension, Jane tells Michael he'll have to find someone else to lean on. Which hell yeah. <laughs> like when he called and he was all like slurring his words and he was like, I don't I took these pills. I was like, Oh, this is just another manipulation. Uh, remember what it was um, like when you had to worry about somebody else in the house listening on another extension? Like <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really remember being that concerned about it because my life wasn't a dramatic mm. swirl of intrigue, but I was only 13. Right. So what do you, I mean, <laughs> you know. And we both got our own lines eventually. So that helped, right? You got your own phone line at your parents' house, didn't you? I don't, I don't think I ever did. I think the most I ever got was my own phone in my room, mm. but I didn't have my own phone line. <sighs> Um, oh, I have to tell you something real quick before I forget it. A friend of mine, when she lived with her parents, used to go use the separate line in like the office that was on the fax machine so that she could do phone sex without getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, that is the smartest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That is so 90s. In court, the judge doesn't agree there are grounds for the 60-day sentence that the DA asks for, and so he asks Sydney to tell her story. The story is compelling, but Sydney lies, saying Lauren was angry when she wanted to quit, which was supposedly why Sydney felt she had to take the job with the undercover cop. The judge just misses the charges, which I will say, like, the reason she took the job with the undercover cop, I still don't think was totally like worth her getting in that much trouble like the cop the cop pressured her like she said no and she said no more than once and like you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know well and what i think about this is that it was really dumb for her to lie about um lauren supposedly threatening her and stuff because i think that this might come back to haunt her more than anything like i think lauren's gonna catch wind of this and put put the hurt on her but or at least that's what i would hope (laughs) well and the other thing that doesn't make sense about this is that what they really would have done in real life because sydney is like nothing sydney is just a person who like took a few sex work jobs like the real target in this scenario would be lauren so what they should have like in real life, I feel like what they would have been doing is trying to leverage busting Sydney to get to Lauren, which is not what they did at all. Instead, they tried to throw the book at Sydney, which accomplishes like nothing. Yeah. It takes a person who had already quit off of the beat. Right. It's, <laughs> it's really stupid. Um, Reed and Joe are saying are having goodbye smooches when Amanda shows up to renew Joe's lease with a rent increase, of course. Reed's curious about Amanda's money and leaves without any more smooches so he can intentionally run into Amanda in the courtyard. He tells her he can make she can make twenty percent investing in his new charter business and invites her to meet at the marina. She he's surprised when um she has thorough questions because she's a boater herself. He starts moving in close to test her and they go out for a sail just as Joe arrives. So she Joe sees him sailing off and is like, that little bitch. <laughs> um, Joe hands over the signed lease and confronts Amanda about Reed. Jake appears in time to cast out about Reed's business. But Amanda says um, she's already not interested and Reed gives her the creeps. Joe comes to the boat the next day to fight about Amanda 
She's mad because he didn't ask her to invest, but she, but he says he wouldn't have because love and business don't mix. Um, Jake spikes, for example, um, Jake can't sleep because he's worried about Joe vis-a-vis Reed. Uh, Amanda agrees that Reed's trouble, but doesn't think there's anything they can do until he proves himself to be a criminal. And she reminds Jake that Joe's business is no longer any of his business. That's right. Um, Reed's showing the boat to the potential wedding customers when Jake shows up. Jake won't directly accuse Reed of anything and leaves. Under the cover of night, <laughs> Reed installs a remote control on a trap door on the boat. Could- Joe arrives with an apology and a picnic basket. They bone while Joe sleeps. Someone arrives at the boat, so Reed gets a huge shotgun out of the bedside <laughs> drawer. But it turns out it's just a cat. So I have questions about this. Was, was I alone in not understanding what was going on with the remote control? like i have no idea yeah i don't even i think maybe it's like a secret compartment for drugs or something but uh. oh yeah that makes sense i mean i think ultimately what we're going to discover is that reed really is a criminal yeah and i i just have to say i love that it looks like he's reaching into the bedside table for like a flashlight or something and it's a full-on shotgun (laughs) like in your nightstand (laughs) <laughs> well wasn't it kind of short though like one of those like, i saw it off one yeah i guess if you lined it up just right it could go corner to corner in some drawers but <laughs> you <laughs> like careful not to wedge it in too hard right oh my god <laughs> but yeah i can't wait to see what this remote control is about it could be human trafficking who knows <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like it's probably gonna be drugs but um all right let's see uh so now we're on matt um matt meets a guy named jeffrey when they both go after the same after the last table at an outdoor cafe he says he works in long beach but won't say what he does they i fuck over lunch and make plans for dinner at jeffrey's like keith he won't give matt his phone number Um, His story is that he can't get calls at work and his phone hasn't been hooked up at his new place yet. At dinner, Matt notices the phone um, and Jeffrey says, it's just not hooked up yet. But then while they're sitting down to eat, it rings. Um, Jeffrey won't say where he moved from. Matt gets up to leave. So Jeffrey shows him his Navy uniform. He's in the closet um, oh, sorry. In, in spite of don't ask, don't tell because of his parents. Also, I guess don't ask, don't tell could possibly keep you in the closet because you're not supposed to tell. Yeah. Right. But, well, and so the the other issue is that even though people, even though they weren't supposed to be asking, they like were still investigating people big time under the policy anyway. So, yeah. So even though people were supposed to not have to live in fear about being discovered, they still had to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was kind of set up to just be a continuation of shitty policy anyway. Um, but yeah, so he's in the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Um, <laughs> um, I have another friend who was in the Navy, and he was also gay, but this was after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, so. Um... Uh, Celia needs a place to stay for the week and Billy invites her to stay over without consulting Allison. 
Um, she allows it, but is con- but it's not convinced it's a great idea. They bone, they can bone quietly for a week. Um, As a reminder, is- Celia is uh, Billy's writing partner. Oh, work. Right. I should have said that. Um, Billy and Celia pull an all-nighter, and Celia drank all of the orange juice Allison spent 20 minutes squeezing. Have you ever actually squeezed orange juice? Um, no. Lately, I squeeze a lot of lemons for their juice, and sometimes like a uh, um, a grapefruit uh, for making shrubs. But I've never squeezed oranges to drink them. I I just think that's dumb. It seems really inefficient and like, expensive. I don't. <laughs> yeah, like you would have to squeeze so many oranges to get enough juice. To make it worth a damn. Anyway, I think it sounds stupid. Um, (laughs) Allison comes home to find an apology orange juice and a note saying Billy and Celia are shooters. They also left a draft of their story and want input. Celia likes the notes Allison added to their draft and says she's a good editor and that Billy has talent. Nancy and the brass upstairs love Celia and Billy's piece and joke that they should live together permanently dun 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 uh they also want to make one of them junior editor because they've mostly worked together they've given test articles to each one of them to edit separately so they can show which one's kind of got more talent i guess um billy gets the promotion and that's when he's told the job is in new york (laughs) this would never happen this would never they don't do that to you Also, yeah, like, what kind of publication is this? Because, like, I, I've i never gotten the sense that this magazine is that big. Like, to be bi-coastal. Yeah, it's you know weird. I mean? um, yeah, Escapade magazine. I mean, it, to me, it sounds kind of like an in-flight magazine, but on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of imagined that it was more like an L.A. An LA magazine, like about L.A., yeah. like... Oh, uh, uh, this is what it's, you know, lifestyle, a lifestyle magazine for LA, basically. Maybe there's, maybe there's a parent company that controls a lot of city specific magazines or something. Oh, I guess so. Maybe. But even if that's true, I don't know. But Uh, nobody would ever make you try out for a job and then be like, oh, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. It was a really funny thing. Uh, when, when, when they said it, I was like, what? Like, Billy's face was like, what? And I was like, wow, Billy and I are having the exact same because <laughs> I'm just, like, completely confused at what is happening now. Um, and, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and, of course, he plays along. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll go to New York. Not a problem. Um, so, once again, making big decisions without consulting Allison first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say this. At their age and their level of commitment, I don't know. This is the thing, though, about why I was irritated when Allison was like, oh, no, Steve, I can't be with you. I have a commitment to Billy. Right. It's like, girl, bye. And also, I I mean, I think either one of them would probably throw the other one away <laughs> for, like, the right opportunity. <laughs> to live in New York, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I would. Like... <laughs> They're not, you know what I mean? Like, well, they're not a good couple anyway. Um, I guess what sucks is that Allison had a good dating opportunity with Steve, like a really, really good one. And she was like, 
but you know what? I'm going to stay with Billy. And then Billy's right. like, I'm going to make huge decisions about moving across the country. You know, I mean, obviously he yeah. can just turn around at work and say, Hey, I can't take it. Give it to Celia. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the decision is definitely not set in stone, but yeah. I mean, Steve was a way better opportunity for than. Can you imagine um, not wanting to be with Steve because Billy exists like no I cannot <laughs> like um I, I can't remember did she ever bone Steve or did they never quite get that far I think they never quite got that far See. I think they were like on the verge mm. a couple times and she always was like mm. no I can't See she should have gone oh. through with it so that she could have made a more informed decision because seriously, like you shouldn't make huge commitments without knowing what you, what the options are, for real. Yeah, but this show definitely, definitely occupies a universe where all women think of sex as like this very, 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 very serious thing that always makes feelings happen. <laughs> I mean, because Joe and Reed, you know, they slept together, and Joe was like, "Well, it's too late now. Now we have feelings," yep. and it's like, "Well, that's not true." Uh, necessarily, but in Melrose Place land, it's definitely true. Except for Amanda. She's she's coded masculine that way. Sure. <laughs> exactly. But even her, sometimes they have her play up to those things, you know, and I think it's just a weakness in the writers, probably just some gender shit that they need to work on. Yeah. Um, one little thing I noticed, I, I had never looked up the actress who plays their boss at the magazine, Nancy. And I finally did that. Her name is Meg Whitner. And I noticed that she is also in death becomes her with Michelle Johnson, who plays Perry. So there crazy. There's even more overlap with one of the best movies ever made. Death becomes her. Yeah, that movie is good. I only recently just watched it for the first time, which we've talked about um, on the show. Speaking of movies and you not watching them, did you watch Earth Girls Are Easy? Oh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <clears throat> well, now we know what you're, you can do the rest of the day. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, that was this week's episode of Melrose Sheltering in Place. Yeah. Um, hope you enjoyed it uh we certainly did yeah (laughs) i gotta say it's getting to the point where it's kind of hard for me to stop watching after the three episodes i want to keep watching but i don't want to get far ahead oh my god me too i was like last night i sat down to watch tv and i was like all i want to do is watch Place. but if i watch it now it's gonna be so long and i'm gonna struggle yeah so um yeah. Um, yeah, thankfully I, I have Hannibal, but I only have like six more episodes of that, so I don't know what to do next. Um, well, you could watch Murdoch Mysteries. <laughs> I was going to suggest maybe 90210, <laughs> but then I was like, well, what if in a few years we need another podcast? Who knows? Um, oh, yeah. In, We're totally going to make a, a 90210 podcast in, after this. In year four of the pandemic. <laughs> Oh God! Ugh. Well, everybody, um, uh, thanks for joining yeah. us here. And um, you know, just remember, always have a lawyer. <laughs> um, don't uh, join white supremacist mobs to try to, you know, take over the United States Capitol building and kill people. Um, and always find us on Instagram. <laughs> 
always find us on Instagram. I'm at Nanarchist. And I'm at uh, xtofer575. Although I will say, okay, so, you know, I quit Facebook. I quit Twitter. And uh, last week I was like, you know what? I, <clears throat> looking at this always ends up making me feel better. Wow. And so I, I stopped. I was like, I'm just going to not look at it for like a day. And then I felt better. And then I looked at it, not, didn't look at it for another day. So I'm not like 100% off Instagram, but I am spending a lot less time there as well. And it feels really good. Yeah. I definitely always text you now, unless it's something Instagram specific, like, if I need to share a story with you, I'll do that for over Instagram. But if I need to say something to you, I just text you. Yeah. Social media is bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I, that's my personal conclusion. Um, Although it got so. a little better this week when they finally kicked Donald Trump off of it. <laughs> oh, my God. And they, they took Parler off of the Google and Apple app stores as well. They didn't take it off Apple. Oh, yet. did they? They took it off Google. Apple issued an <coughs> ultimatum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yesterday, that they had 24 hours to produce a moderation plan, which I'm like, fuck y'all, fuck. I mean, I mean, fuck y'all, like fuck Apple. That's what does that even mean? I mean, even if they had a moderation plan, you think like people aren't gonna hook up on there and what DM each other to plan the next thing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what a wimpy move from Apple. So that's crapple, Apple. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> throw my iPhone in the ocean. Um, anyway, so so uh, catch us on social media, but don't really because social media sucks, and you should do other things with your time. That's my personal like <laughs> ethos. And uh, uh, I guess I guess we will see y'all next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.